And thank you, Miss Brianna. Let's take our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. If you'll stand with me, we'll read together a portion of the Word of God this evening. Mark, chapter 6. I love to, to just kind of preach through a book like we're doing with the Gospel of Mark and just gain the context uh, always of the Scripture. That's so precious. We're, we'll begin here in verse number 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, of Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he had laid his hand, or he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled, and, and I want to take this thought here tonight in verse number six. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. He marveled because of their unbelief. And I want to, to just take that as a thought this evening, how important is faith. And you will find that uh, the Lord works on the basis of faith. You know, so many things are accomplished through faith. And so we're going to examine that, that thought tonight. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight. So good to be in this place. And uh, Lord, thank you that... You meet with us every time we come together. I know many have uh, had just difficult weeks, uh, work, and, and various things that uh, they've gone through. And Lord, many trials and temptations and uh, various things. And Lord, I thank you uh, that uh, you give us this opportunity here in the middle of the week uh, just to gather together and come into your presence. And we need you tonight. And Lord, there are those here tonight just need a bit of encouragement, need some strength here tonight, need direction that you would give uh, through your word and by your spirit. Uh, we pray, Lord, have your way in this service. Uplift and exalt yourself, we ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. And you may be seated this evening. I, I want, to, as you're seated, to uh, go back in the Bible, if you would, here to verse number one of uh, Mark chapter six. And the Bible said he went out from thence and came to his own country. And so when it says that he went out from thence, we, uh, we gained the context and we, we find there that he left Capernaum. And uh, much of the, the early years of Christ's public ministry centered around Capernaum. And it was in Capernaum that we've seen the crowds throng the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, everywhere he went, multitudes followed him. If you were to go back in Mark chapter 1, I'd like you to do that just to kind of see some of the things that were taking place. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 32, uh, this is in Capernaum. And the Bible says that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered at the door. And so we have here in Capernaum this, this great ministry. Multitudes of miracles are performed in the city of Capernaum. If you go back to chapter 5, where we concluded on Sunday, uh, there were three major miracles in chapter 5, and uh, the first was in the, the demoniac of Gadara, 
on the other side of the Sea of Galilee from Capernaum. Uh, but then within Capernaum, we saw last week, there were two uh, great miracles, uh, the healing of the woman with an issue of blood, 12 years, and then the raising of the daughter of Jairus. All of this happened in Capernaum. And now we come to chapter 6, and the Bible said he went out from thence. So he's leaving Capernaum now uh, for a period of time. And notice here he came into his own country. And so here Jesus is now making his way to Nazareth. This is where he grew up as a boy. It was the place of his boyhood days. And now we have a, a completely different response in the city of Nazareth to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ from what we experienced in Capernaum. You'll notice here in Nazareth, the Bible tells us that here he could do no mighty works. And in another gospel, we learn he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Now, we know that this is at least the second time of his public ministry that he comes back to the city of Nazareth. I want you to go forward to the Gospel of Luke. And I'm just laying kind of a foundation uh, that uh, we might get a picture of what's taking place. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And this is the first experience of the uh, public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in the city of Nazareth. If you go to Luke chapter 4 verse 16. Luke chapter 4 verse 16. And it reads, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. And I just point out here that whenever the meeting took place in the synagogue, Jesus was there always. You'll find always he followed the meeting. That's one of the things I, I believe so important about church is to be in the house of God. And it says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Now, I remind you, this is taking place in the synagogue in Nazareth. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of the, all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness, or bear him witness, and wondered the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say this unto me, uh, this proverb, Physician, heal thyself, uh, where, whoever... Or it says, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. And when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elysius, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these words, were filled with wrath. Now this is where Jesus grew up. And no doubt as a boy, he went often to the synagogue. Now he's come into his public ministry. He goes into that synagogue, opens the Bible uh, to the Gospel of Isaiah, and uh, there, or the book of Isaiah, and there he reads, and he gives them this uh, background. Notice in verse number 29, 
And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And so you'll, you'll read here that Jesus, when he first in his public ministry, went to Capernaum, or went to Nazareth, he was rejected there in Nazareth. And uh, they sought to kill him, sought to cast him down uh, the brow. He went from there uh, to the city of Capernaum, where we read of all those miracles taking place in the city of Capernaum. And now in Mark chapter 6, if you'll go back to that passage of Scripture, uh, he gives Nazareth another opportunity. And I think it's kind of interesting, is though they sought to kill him first in Nazareth, uh, yet Jesus comes back. And I think it shows his burden for his own people. It shows his burden for this city and this place where he grew up. Now you'll notice here in Mark chapter 6, once again, uh, their response is a response of unbelief. And I pointed out in Mark chapter 6, verse number 6, as he comes back to Nazareth, he marveled because of their unbelief. Now that word marvel means to be filled with wonder, uh, to be astonished. And so what the Bible is saying is Jesus comes back to the city, he's astonished, he's filled with wonder at their lack of faith, at their unbelief. Now in Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 8, uh, there's the story of the centurion in Capernaum. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 8. Now notice here, Mark chapter 6, that he marveled because of their unbelief. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 8 for just a second. Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, we have the story of the centurion in Capernaum. And I want you to pick up here at verse number 5, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come. And he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Now notice verse number 10. When Jesus heard it, it says he marveled. And he said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So we have in the city of Nazareth that he marveled at their unbelief. And here in Capernaum, he marveled at the centurion and said, I've not seen so great faith, no, not in Israel. Two opposite ends of the spectrum as concerning faith and Jesus marveled at both of them. I want to, to deal with some thoughts here tonight from Mark chapter 6. Why did Jesus marvel at their unbelief? And, and as we look at this passage, I, I want to see first of all uh, this evening the rejection of unbelief. You see, as Jesus comes to the city of Nazareth, the city of Nazareth had no excuse for their unbelief. Remember, it was here that Jesus grew up. It was here that Jesus matured. Very little said of the boyhood days of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know in Luke chapter 2, verse number 52, 
At the age of 12, Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem. He came back to his home. And the Bible says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so that city had the privilege of watching as Jesus grew into maturity. Uh, they witnessed the only perfect sinless life that had ever been lived. And by that, as a boy growing up, Jesus was perfect in every way. I've never met a perfect boy. Uh, never met a perfect girl, for that matter. Uh, none of us perfect. All are sinners. And you can find from the time of a little child uh, a sin nature. You see that sin nature. And that nature uh, from the child, and by the way, Daddy and Mommy, they got that from you. And uh, they uh, great, uh, grew up in sin. And, and yet Jesus Christ was the perfect one. And they witnessed that perfect and holy life. Uh, they witnessed and heard the teachings of Jesus at the beginning of his public ministry. I want you to look in chapter 6, verse number 2 of Mark. And it says, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? See, his words were different than the words of the scribes and the Pharisees. When Jesus taught there in the temple, he thought, taught as one that had power. He taught as one that had authority. He taught the very words of God. They witnessed in the teachings of Jesus the wisdom that only God could give. And they questioned, from whence hath this man these things? Where did he get this from? And of course, they, we know that this came from God, and he is God, manifest in flesh. Also in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, they witnessed many miracles, and they heard of many miracles. And you notice in verse number 2, the latter part, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Now the evidence was before him, or before them. They witnessed the life of Jesus. They saw the miracles of Jesus. They heard the teachings of Jesus. But notice their response in verse number 3. Is not this the carpenter? And I believe by this time, Joseph, uh, the stepfather, we might say, of the Lord Jesus Christ, is no longer on the scene. And so Jesus has become known as the carpenter. Uh, he followed in the footsteps of, of Joseph, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, of Judah, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now, I just want to point out here that Jesus, after his birth, he is divinely born. We know Emmanuel, God with us. He had no earthly father. He had a heavenly father. And, and yet we know that after the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph had other children. And so these children are brought to light here. I, I believe Jude is the writer of the, the book of Jude in the Bible. This is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that there were uh, relatives, there were sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew his family. They saw this family grow up. They knew the history of the Lord Jesus Christ in Nazareth. And this thought, even within that city, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And so whence does this man have these things and this wisdom? It's kind of like I've heard before, can any good thing come out of Española? And I'm grateful that yes, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, great things can come out of the midst of Española. In verse number four, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. 
Now, what we find here is that their unbelief was a rejection of the obvious. It was a rejection of truth. And I want to relate this to us tonight. Do you know that unbelief is a rejection of truth? In Psalm 14, verse number 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. See, it's a heart problem. God has manifest himself on every hand. We have very evident, very clearly said before us through creation that the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. The Lord has revealed himself unto us by way of his creation. He's revealed that he is God. And so to reject that is a heart issue, the fool has said in his heart. Now also within the human heart is the testimony that God has given from within. I don't believe there's such thing as an atheist tonight. Because I believe that God is revealed in the heart of every individual that he's real, that he is God. Every person knows that, but a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl has to reject that testimony of the heart. And then on top of this, God has given us the very word of God so that they are without excuse. Now, here's what happened in the city of Nazareth. I'd like you to go forward to Romans chapter number 1. And this is this heart of unbelief. When there is unbelief, it's because of a wicked heart. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 18, it reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, and notice this, the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God revealed himself to us, to the heart of every person, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was dark, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And so we have here the rejection of unbelief. This happened in Nazareth. The Bible said that the Lord Jesus Christ marveled at their unbelief. As he looked upon this city, this city that had many opportunities, the city that witnessed him growing up as a boy, this city that heard him teach in their synagogue, this city that knew of miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ, yet Jesus looked at their hearts and their hearts were filled with unbelief. He marveled. And that's the rejection of unbelief. Now go back with me to chapter 6 and verse number 5. In chapter 6 and verse number 5. And here we have the results of unbelief. This is in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. And it says he could, do, he could there do no mighty work. Save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Now unbelief, it's evident, limited the work of God in the city of Nazareth. As you read that context, there in the city of Nazareth, he was not able to do in Nazareth what he had accomplished in Capernaum. And he attributes that to the unbelief of the people. 
That's very evident through the Word of God and through Scripture that unbelief limits the working of God. I want you to consider this in light of salvation. If we think about, about salvation tonight, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So as we speak of salvation tonight, the Bible said it's this aspect of faith that applies the blood to the heart and the soul is saved. See, God saves in accordance to faith. I want you to go to the Gospel of John, so very clearly set forth. John chapter number 1. In John chapter number 1, verse number 12. John 1, verse number 12. As we speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it reads here, uh, verse 10 says, He, Jesus, was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Notice the statement, even to them that believe on his name. Uh, salvation is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go forward to the gospel of, of John chapter number 3, John chapter 3, and verse number 15. In John 3, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so clearly set forth, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he believed not, had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So here the Bible makes it very clear, those that believe upon the Lord, this is saving faith, are born again, they're washed in the blood, but those that have not believed, there's no in-between, either a person has exercised faith in Jesus, they've been saved, or they have not, and the Bible says unbelief condemns one unto hell. Verse 36 of John 3. In John 3, verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And so the Lord sets it forth. The faith is what brings to salvation. And go to John chapter 5, verse number 24. And John 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death Unto life in John 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Skip to verse number 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And so it's a simple issue of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When faith is not exercised, the Lord will not save. In fact, let me prove this further. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter number 21. Revelation in chapter number 21. As we come to eternity, the Bible says in Revelation 21, verse number 8, But the fearful, and notice this, 
and unbelieving. The fearful and unbelieving. And the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In Revelation 22, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, let him that is the thirst come, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. To come to Jesus Christ, you have to exercise faith. You have to take Jesus at his word. You have to put your trust in him and him alone for this issue of salvation, not in religion, not in good works, not in baptism, not in your efforts, but in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord alone. So we're saved by faith, by exercising faith in the Lord, and until faith is exercised, there is no salvation. And so as Jesus could do, nobody works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Jesus will not save one who does not come to him on the basis of faith. Now, I want you to consider also the importance of faith in our Christian walk. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. See, the Lord works on the basis of faith. He saves on the basis of faith. And he works in the Christian life on the basis of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, very familiar passage, the faith chapter of the Bible, verse number 1. It reads, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But notice this, for by it or by faith, the elders obtained a good report. In verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Then we have illustrations by faith in verse 7, Noah. Being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. If you skip to the end of the, of the chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Hebrews 11, verse 33 and we, in this hall of faith, read of all the things accomplished by faith. And we come to verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, speaks of those that suffered by faith, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. It's very evident that faith is important in our Christian walk. And it's important in pleasing the Lord. In the Gospel of Mark, once again, uh, if you'll go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, in verse number 22, the Lord says, Jesus answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So we see that, that faith is important in our walk with the Lord. It's 
uh, necessary for salvation. It's necessary in walking with the Lord. And Jesus was limited to what he was able to do in Nazareth because of unbelief. Now I want to get down tonight to a little bit of nitty gritty. Let's get down to our lives. I wonder how many times we limit God through our unbelief. I wonder how often in our personal lives that the Lord is not able to work because we're so much like those of Nazareth. I wonder in our homes, I wonder what blessings we miss, parents, because we do not have the faith to claim the victories for our children, for our homes, for our families. I wonder across this nation, how many churches are weak because they have not faith to trust the Lord for great and mighty things. Now, it's evident in the Word of God that God delights to show Himself strong for those who trust Him. He says over and over in the Word of God, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ask, and it shall be given to thee. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto thee. And so over and over and over and over in the Word of God, God is encouraging our faith. Now go back to Mark chapter 6. And I want to, to quickly look at a thought here, the response of the Lord to unbelief. In Mark chapter 6 and verse number 6, again we read, he marveled because of their unbelief. They had no excuse. And I wonder how often the Lord marvels at our unbelief. Because he's been so good to us. If you're saved tonight, he worked a miracle to bring salvation. How many times has he answered prayers for you? And yet how often are we like the children of Israel after the Lord is provided in the wilderness and yet we come to another difficulty and we murmur and gripe and complain, Lord, where are you? Have you brought me into this wilderness to slay me? And I wonder how often the Lord must marvel at our unbelief. Now, if you go back with me to Mark chapter 4 and verse number 40. Here were the disciples. We know this story where he calmed the Sea of Galilee. And here the Lord looks at these apostles. Remember the storm arose. He sent them to the other side. He's on the ship and he's asleep on that ship. Uh, they arose. They, they awakened him. He rebuked the wind. He said, peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm in verse 39 of Mark 4. But then in verse 40, and he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? I think he marveled at their unbelief. And I wonder how often he speaks those words to us. And so we go back to Mark chapter 6. In verse number 6, he marveled at their unbelief, but I think this is interesting. And he went round about the villages teaching. 
And so remember in, in Capernaum that many miracles were accomplished and great things happened and we read of raising this uh, daughter of Jairus and we read of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years that she's healed and we read in this city of many miracles taking place but he comes to Nazareth because of their unbelief he was not able to do many wonderful things and now the Bible says he marveled at their unbelief but then what does it say he went round about the villages teaching and so here the Lord Jesus Christ, when they responded in unbelief, he turned from them and went to others who would trust him. Now, wouldn't it be a blessing tonight if the Lord, rather than marveling at our unbelief, would marvel at our faith like he did the centurion of Capernaum? like that centurion, rather than our unbelief, like the people of Nazareth, that he would marvel at our faith. How can we have such faith? I, I think it's a very important question. How can you have faith? How can you have faith, a great faith? How can you have a faith that will receive from the Lord? I want to give you just a, a few biblical thoughts here, very simple thoughts. How can we have faith? How can we grow in faith? Well, I believe we have faith through the Word of God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Say, so I, I don't believe tonight that we will ever, ever have a great faith that will cause the Lord to marvel until we are day by day in the Word of God. Until the Word of God becomes a part of our heart. Until the stories of the Bible become real to us. You see, in the Bible, God gives us true events, true accounts that will build our faith. In the Bible, we read how uh, the, the children of Israel marched around the city of Jericho. And they obeyed the Lord and the walls of Jericho fell and that uh, nation conquered the city of Jericho. We read that. We read how the children of Israel came to the Red Sea and how the Lord parted the waters of the Red Sea, how the Lord delivered the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh and slew Pharaoh in that uh, battle or in, that, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the waters. And uh, God, through the Word of God, builds our faith. In the Word of God, we read about great men and great women of God who walked with God and received blessings from the Lord, and it encourages our faith. And so we gain faith through the Word of God. I want you to turn forward to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. You want to grow in faith. We grow in faith through, through prayer. In Mark chapter 9, verse number 23, we have the account of a father that brought his boy to Jesus, a demon-possessed boy. In verse 23, Mark 9, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Notice the words of this father, the prayer of this father. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. But notice this prayer, help thou mine unbelief. Have you ever come to the Lord with that word, Lord, my faith seems so weak? Help thou mine unbelief. Forgive me for that unbelief. And so we increase in faith through the word of God. We increase in faith by prayer or through prayer. We increase in faith through experience. 
Now, you think, for example, of David. Remember David, before he slew Goliath? He killed the bear, and he killed the lion. He discovered in previous experiences the presence of the Lord, how God was good to him. The children of Israel, God was trying to teach them through the wilderness how they could trust him. And so they would come to a place of no water. God provided water. You would think that the next time they had no water, they would trust God. God was asking them to grow in their experience. They had a time there was no food. And yet, instead of trusting the Lord, they would complain and gripe and murmur. And you'll find the children of Israel, rather than growing through experience, complained and murmured. It's all that the Lord would help us to gain from the experiences of our life, that God is good. You know, I, I can look back and... And, uh, and I used to be a worry wart. Any worry warts in here? Don't, don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to admit it. But I was a worry wart. And uh, I remember uh, in college, I was always worried about how my finances, how was it going to pay my bill? How was it going to have gas for my car? I always worried about those things. I remember one day I came, it was a Saturday, and had no gas for my car. I did a bus ministry on Saturday. It was actually Friday, and Saturday I did the bus ministry, but it was a Friday, it was out of gas. And I had no gas, and I remember praying. And Lord, I, I don't have money, I don't have gas. How am I going to do the bus ministry? A friend asked to borrow my car. I said, it has no gas. He said, no problem. He brings it back to me filled with gas. I had that happen over and over and over again. I never once saw a bill go unpaid. God provided. There was a guy that went to my church, and he would call me every now and then. He said, I need somebody to help me gather rocks. And he would go out into the fields and gather the rocks that would go on the side of houses. And it was hard work. And he said, do you have a certain day free? And say yes. And But it would always be exactly when I needed some money. And it would always be exactly what I needed. And I witnessed over and over and over God's provision. What I realized is that God was building faith. As I came here to pastor at Valley Bible Baptist Church, we have witnessed literally Valley Bible Baptist miracles from the hand of God. When we built this building, we determined that we would do this building debt-free. I remember one particular time we needed to put heaters in. We figured we needed $25,000. I went to a preacher's meeting. A pastor handed me a check for $25,000. We came to the point we needed carpet in this building. Uh, we were given a check for $17,000, exactly what we needed for carpet. We witnessed over and over the hand of God. We've asked you to pray for this property across the street. We've witnessed as God has supplied for that property and that was done debt-free. I understand that we're not a wealthy folk, but we have a wealthy God. And we have a God that supplies and provides for the needs. Uh, we have witnessed miracles. We've seen the Lord save souls. We've seen the Lord touch lives. We've seen the Lord work in hearts. We've seen God give deliverance. It's the hand of God. See, I believe through experience, God wants to grow our faith. He wants to teach us that if he's done it once, he can do it twice. 
He wants to teach us that if he answers a prayer, he can answer a prayer again. He wants to teach us that our God will never, ever, ever fail. He wants us to walk by faith. Uh, There is the rejection of faith in the city of Nazareth. They had no excuse. They had seen the miracles. They had witnessed the teachings of the Lord. Yet they persisted in unbelief. We have the results of unbelief. The Bible says that the Lord rebuked them. And then he went to another city, to other cities and villages. There's the response of unbelief. And and in this response, oh, how important it is. Is the Lord marvel at our faith or does he marvel at our unbelief? I heard this statement. I'm going to close with this statement. One day, somebody's going to read the Bible. And they're going to believe it. And they're going to put the rest of us to shame. Because they've learned that God never fails. They've learned to simply take God at his word. If any great thing is to be done, it's going to be because God's people believe in a big God. It's not because we're anything, we're nothing. But it's because we have a big God, we have a marvelous God, we have a God that's willing to work on behalf of his people. We close with the thought... But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you.